We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From the WEEI Studios, the home of the Red Sox, 93.7 WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app. And now, a Boston original on Boston Sports Original. It's Christian Arcan on WEEI. I mean, Brad's probably on the phone with every team, definitely every week during the season, just saying, who do you like? Who's playing well? Who do you like in our roster? You know, just give me files away in that, like, his mental database, you know, so... That's just that. They, they, they talk all the time about everything. That doesn't mean a trade is proposed. And uh, Jalen's not going anywhere. He knew that before the trading deadline because I told him personally. All right. Hey, how are you? Welcome in. It's Sports Radio WEEI, Boston Sports Original. It's Arkan here with you, taking you up until 4 o'clock. Big show today. Uh, very excited to be talking with Jared Weiss at The Athletic. He'll join us at 2.30 to talk Celtics. At 3.30, Scott McLaughlin, WEEI, is going to be uh, calling in as well as a sneak preview for tomorrow's Sunday skate show with him and Razor, which I'm very excited about. Um, and uh, all that along with your phone calls at 617-779-7937. Let's go ahead and dive in on what we just heard right there. That was Wick Grosbeck. Calling into the uh, Hillman, I believe that was was that Friday or Thursday. All the, whenever I do the show on Saturday, I always forget things when they happened over the course of the week. If it was Friday or Thursday, I don't exactly remember now. I want to say it was Friday. Stiz, can you help me here? I think it was Friday. It Christian. was Friday. It was All right. right, I think it was yesterday. And uh, honestly, it really it really jumbles together for me at the end of the week. But uh, Wick had a lot to say. And listen, I love when Wick calls in. Um, I, it's the first time he's called in since I rejoined the uh, crew here at WEEI. And I've heard him call in at other stations and talk to other outlets. So it was great to sort of get him here and uh, and hear what he had to say. And I thought the guys in the morning did a great job talking to him. That Jalen Brown question in particular from Curtis, I thought was great. And you got a great answer there. And wow, you went up and assured him personally, did you? Interesting. You, went up, you the owner of the team, went up to Jalen Brown and told him, don't worry, buddy, you're not going. We're not going to trade you this time. Uh, we may have tried to in the past, but this time, no, no, no. You're good. You're staying put. We're not going uh, to go anywhere with it. And maybe, just maybe, that was a little overcompensation for the trade offer that was made for Kevin Durant in the beginning of the year. But that's neither here nor there. 
I want to talk about the Celtics at the break. Because if you heard over the uh, course of the week, we all graded the Celtics at the break. I gave him an A, Mego, the hater, an A minus, and Jones, the mega hater, gave him a C. But I got to just explain my grade. Because if you know me and you've listened to me, you know I'm not some Celtics bobo. You know I'm not some Celtics honk who just loves everything they do and go Brad and I love and trust Marcus Smart and all those weirdos who tweet all that crap. No, 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 no. I'm not one of them, all right? I never have been, maybe since I turned, I don't know, 15 <laughs> and started thinking critically for myself i haven't been one of those people in a long long time but i do think the celtics right now are tough to grade anything lower than an a uh, i won't give them an a plus because it's not like their record is going to be on pace for 70 wins or anything but they are on pace for i think 58 right now and i i just look at what they've done i mean you can count the wins, sure it's the most in the league they're the best team in the league and it's not just wins i'm not just talking standings they're first in point differential. They're the only team in the league that's in the top four in offensive and defensive ratings. And they have the best duo in the NBA. Like, I'm not sure what else you want. I'm not sure what else you're looking for, I guess is my point. If you're grading them lower than an A, I just I don't know what else you need to see. I don't know what else uh, there needs to, to, to happen here. Do they need to be on pace for 73 wins like the Warriors to get an A for you? Fine, maybe you're a tougher grader than me. I'm just going by what this season has been and what the competition's been like and how the Celtics have performed. They have been wide. Wire to wire, the best team in the NBA. You know, like what else? (laughs) I'm sorry if you expected that of them and thought that that was uh, the baseline for what they can do, then I think you have to really stop and think, am I an easy grader or is you're just a very difficult grader? And listen, everyone's uh, allowed to grade however they want. However they want to grade, it's fine. You know, it's your everybody has their own little classroom if they want to. But the Celtics at the break right now, I'm sorry. And it's not just the, uh, the the wins or even that ratings and the other stuff. They've overcome adversity here. They have. Uh, plenty of guys have missed time. Marcus Smart's missed almost a third of the year so far. Uh, Jason Tatum has not missed very much time. I think he's the only Celtic who's played in every game this year is Derek White. Derek White's the only Celtic who's played in every single game. Uh, then it's Grant Williams and Sam Hauser. Those are your top three in terms of games played. So I guess they're not really worried about load management with those three. Uh, Jason Tatum has played in 55 games, averaging about 37 minutes a game. And then you go down the list a little bit. Jalen Brown's missed 11 games. Al Horford's missed uh, 14 games. Marcus Smart's missed 17 games. Uh, Robert Williams has only played in 23 games out of 59. You know, I mean, you've, you've done all this without everybody being at full strength for the entire year. Now, is that reasonable to expect that any team, let alone this team, which is full of injury-prone guys, I'm sorry to say, uh, is going to be at full strength for an entire season? No, of course not. And that's not a standard that I'm going to hold them to either. But you've missed a lot of time. Important players, starters, have missed a lot of time this year. And the Celtics haven't skipped a beat. They haven't. They haven't really skipped a beat at all. Now you're at the All-Star break. And you have real expectations in the second half. And now is the time to wonder, okay, if these guys can come back healthy... And if Robert Williams can uh, really get more engaged in, uh, in playing on just more of a regular basis. I know that when he's playing, he's engaged, but I just feel like he doesn't play enough. Uh, he's just he's banged up so much. Al Horford and him doing this every other night thing. I just, you know, you worry about these things. And listen, Mike Muscala so far has been about a million times better than I thought he was going to be. I thought Mike Muscala was a stiff, okay? And he might actually still be a stiff. But so far, he's hitting threes. He's running the floor. He got hurt very quickly, and that's sort of a problem. But whatever, I mean, you got you got some, uh, no doubt about it, you've got some something there with Muscala, if he can stay on the floor. Uh, he picked it up right away, and he kind of hit the ground running. Came in pretty hot. Um, 
but he's not the answer. I don't know that the answer is uh, that the Celtics need an answer. I think that the Celtics right now, if they continue at this pace, can hold off Milwaukee. I think they can hold off Philadelphia. They beat Philadelphia with their JV team. And when it comes to the Western Conference, I don't know who's coming out of there. I don't know if it's going to be Golden State. If it's not Golden State, I'm not particularly scared of the top three right now. I'm not real scared of the Denver Nuggets. I know that Jokic is the MVP, but, I mean, what's that gotten them? Uh, the MVP is great in the regular season. He puts up great numbers, and you, you see the triple doubles and those stats and everything, and they're phenomenal, of course. They're Wilt Chamberlain numbers uh, mixed with Russell Westbrook and his prime numbers, okay, what uh, he's doing over there. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But I don't necessarily consider them finals favorites. The Memphis Grizzlies, you see what the Celtics did to them? And then the three seed is the Sacramento Kings. Are you scared of the Sacramento Kings, Boston? Are you worried that the Kings are going to come out of the West and that you're going to have to go seven in Sacramento with Nick Cattles and everybody out there? Like, I don't know about that. I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's a, a, something that's really burning me up right now. Um, the Suns with Durant, different story. The Mavericks with Kyrie, even that's a different story. I feel like the Brooklyn Nets made the West so much more interesting. With their uh, with blowing up their team the way they did, it's it's much more interesting right now. But those teams now have to go ahead and, and step forward and and, uh, and and move up the ranks. And I I think in a lot of ways prove in Dallas's case in particular that uh, Luka Doncic can play well with others, and that Kyrie Irving's not completely out of his mind. Kevin Durant and Phoenix, I mean, that's scary. We'll see how healthy everybody is, and we'll see who comes out of the West. But again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. For the Celtics right now in the second half, the expectation should be. Championship or bust. That's what they are for me. That's what happens when you get to the NBA Finals the year prior and you go up 2-0 and then choke horribly after that. But that's it. I mean, that, that that's sort of where it comes from. That's what it's been all year long. And the Celtics have hit those expectations. They've hit them. Um, they are 25-12 and 12 against the Eastern Conference, which means they are 17-5 and 5 against the West. I thought they had kind of a bad record against the way. You know what I mean? Like, they've had some of these up-and-down games, but you look back on it, they only really lose a couple of games uh, to the Western Conference teams when they go out there or when the teams come here. It's not – they don't really have a weakness. There's not one thing that you look at and think, man, uh, that's not true, actually. They do have a weakness. They can't beat the Orlando Magic for some reason. Other than that, I really don't see – I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a bobo, but I just I'm, – I'm telling it like it is. Uh, you saw Jason Tatum come back for that game against Detroit, who's another. I know they're in last place, but they're kind of a scrappy team, and they've given the Celtics problems before. And uh, Jason Tatum had a casual 38-point night. I didn't love how much he played in that game, but I think it just sort of goes to show. The Celtics beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. They beat the teams that uh, they get up for, on those, except for Milwaukee the other night, which we'll talk about. That Valentine's Day primetime game where you saw... A bunch of guys play the next night. Uh, didn't love that, but whatever. Um, y- you know, generally, when there's a Christmas game or a primetime TNT game, something like that with the Celtics and another big Eastern Conference team, whether it was, you know, Brooklyn before, Milwaukee now, Philadelphia now, uh, Cleveland's given them some trouble in a couple games early on in the year, Miami's another one, um, and then, of course, you know, the Lakers and the Western Conference teams. The Celtics usually get up for those, and they usually win those games too. You know, they just do. That's that's what they've been doing. Um, the second half expectation should be sky high for this team. I they're sky high for me. I look at this team and I think sky's the limit. Forty two and seventeen, and I feel like they may have left a little bit on the table here in the beginning. I think they took their foot off the gas a couple of times. They should maybe have forty eight wins by now. Honestly, 
You go back and look at some of those losses, and you think you're, they're better than that team. You know, they could have beaten them. This team, this team to me, on paper, is a very rare type of team. It's rare to have a duo like this, neither of which is signed to a Supermax yet. It's rare to have that kind of flexibility that you can add guys like Brogdon, that you can uh, maintain other guys and, uh, and extend them because you haven't crossed that threshold yet, you know, where you're like the Warriors and you basically have two payrolls, or you're like the Clippers with the two payrolls, or the Laker, all these teams, you know what I mean? Like, the Celtics aren't spending an exorbitant amount of money. And the reason they aren't is because they're in a rare spot. They have two young superstars, and they now have that not-quite-championship pedigree, but they've gotten there. They've at least they've at least seen the top of the mountain, you know? They didn't, they didn't get to it, but they, they've seen it. And so with that experience... At a young age, the Celtics right now, and we'll see if they're able to maintain this. I mean, that's something for Brad Stevens to think about down the road. But for right now, they're in the optimal position. They're in an optimal position. They don't have the same restrictions that a lot of other teams with big duos have. And I don't think there's a duo in the league that's better than the Celtics duo right now. I don't. Um, Devin Booker and uh, and Durant in Phoenix may be right up there, and Luka and Kyrie's right up there too. I'm not convinced that that's necessarily going to work either. By the way, I know they've gotten off to a uh, they got off to an okay start, but they've lost three in a row, I think, um, uh, since then. So I don't know. You tell me. You tell me how perfect that's going to be. Kyrie Irving going somewhere. Oh, that's going to work perfectly. Really, Kyrie Irving's going to be perfect somewhere. Okay. Uh, he's a good player, but let's not act like he's made all these situations work. And that's sort of it, you know? I mean, there's not a lot of there, – there's really no other teams in your position. The Cleveland Cavaliers even. You know, they're they're young. They've got some good young players, but they're not Tatum and Brown. And they've got some good uh, complementary pieces too, but they're not Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon and, you know, the guys that the Celtics had. I just they don't – it's a better team. It's a better roster. It's a better roster, and they've played that way. Um that's where I am. Hearing Wick Grosbeck call in and, and say all that stuff about Jalen Brown, I thought, okay, well, nice to hear that now, I guess. You didn't trade him. There wasn't really that much traction outside of what? Stephen A. Smith? We heard that one thing. Stephen A. Smith said, hey, you know, watch out. Durant and the Celtics may be involved. Jalen Brown, he dropped that name again. Um, <laughs> listen, I didn't hear anyone else say that. I didn't hear that come from Shams. I didn't hear that come from Woj. I didn't hear that come from any of the reporters who usually report on stuff like that and who Celtics fans don't like it when they do it either. Shams was the one who came out with the report in the offseason saying that the Celtics had actually made an offer to offering Jalen Brown for Durant, and the Nets turned it down and asked for more, which, by the way, Celtics fans, that means that Jalen Brown was offered up in a trade, okay? <laughs> I know you don't want to hear that. You don't want to believe it, but that's what that, unless you don't believe Shams and you don't have to believe him. I don't see why he wouldn't. I mean, he's about as responsible of a reporter as there's been. Uh, and I didn't hear the Celtics deny that either. But this time around, Wick goes down, goes right down into the locker room, tells Jalen Brown, you know what, Jalen, you're not going anywhere. We're keeping you around. Uh, we want you to sign long-term. I don't know if he said all this, but I imagine he probably did. And uh, this thing this year, we're adding to it. We're not subtracting anything. And I think that was the right move. I don't think it would have been smart to trade Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant at this point. I think it would have been an overpay. Um, if you wanted to try and bring him in and add him to the uh, Brown and Tatum, then fine. I mean, you probably could have, you know, at least gotten their attention there. It's not like he went for some big haul. It was Mikhail Bridges and a couple of, you know, other pieces. You maybe could have matched that without giving up Brown. But whatever. I'd imagine it would have been a higher price for the Celtics. 
than it would be for the Phoenix Suns. That's a team right in the division with the Brooklyn Nets, and they probably don't want to make things easy for them. I get that. That makes perfect sense to me. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Uh, quick break. We'll get to your Celtics phone calls, and when we come back, we're going to talk about this nice little road trip for the Bruins here, creating some distance, and uh, the performance of Don Sweeney, who, I don't know, I, there was some uh, questionable things early on in the year, but since then, Sweeney has been uh, the Teflon Don. We'll get to all that with your phone calls right after Stiz hits you with trending. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. The Bruins return home to face the Islanders. Puck drops at 5 o'clock. The Bees will get a boost in the lineup as Jake DeBrusque will return to action. He's been out since January 2nd with a leg injury during suffered during the Winter Classic. The Celtics return to action on Thursday against the Pacers. Jason Tatum will be participating in the three-point contest at All-Star Weekend tonight. Jason Tatum was the runner-up to Steph Curry in 21. The Patriots announced that special teams ace Matthew Slater will return for his 16th season in New England. The longtime captain has played in the second most games in franchise history behind only Tom Brady. And in Red Sox news, pitcher Brian Bayo has been shut down for a few days due to a forearm tightness. This according to manager Alex Cora. Cora said the team is very confident Bayo will be back pitching on Monday. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back to Christian Arcan on WEEI. Whistles one over Swayman's head. It takes a generous bounce. Marshawn to Bergeron to Marshawn! Been hearing a lot of that lately. It's Boston Sports Original, WEEI. It's Arkan here with you until 4 o'clock. Talk a little Bruins here. As I'll tell you, it's a nice little road trip. Out to Dallas, then to Nashville. Had the siblings out with him little sibling trip must have been must have been partying in nashville after that one and uh shout out to jeremy lozan too because i'm pretty sure two of those goals rattled in off of him (laughs) so thank you very much for that uh that was nice bruins are a wagon still 41 8 and (laughs) 5 with that win (laughs) those two wins uh over the course of the week and nashville stinks i mean they're not that good this year or anything but uh dallas leading the west and i look at what this team's doing they're creating distance right now they're creating distance in the standings now we can talk about how important that is but right now they're 13 up on the maple Leafs, who just made a trade and i'll get to them in a second too because i think that was a big trade for them uh 13 up on Toronto. The Carolina Hurricanes have 80 points right now. So the Bruins are up 7 in the conference, 13 in the division. I know I just got done going on and on about how great the Celtics are. 
But the Bruins have been better. <laughs> I mean, they have. Um, They are, though, going to have to deal with this. And that is that the St. Louis Blues have traded Ryan O'Reilly, who you may remember from a few years back in the cup final, putting Patrice Bergeron right in his back pocket, which you don't get to say that very often. But that's what happened. Ryan O'Reilly going to Toronto, part of a three-team deal that the Minnesota Wild are also involved in. Although I read this thing a couple of times, and it seems like the Wild basically took a fourth-round pick to help everybody else. Like, they owed the Maple Leafs a favor or something like that is what it seems like. O'Reilly and Nola Chari both going to Toronto. St. Louis gets Mikhail Abramoff, uh, Adam Gaudette, the Leafs 2023 first, and an Ottawa third, and Toronto's 2024 second rounder. The Wild will send Josh uh, Pilar and a 2019 fourth to Toronto, and they get the Leafs 2025 fourth round pick, and that's it. <laughs> Why did you get involved? <laughs> Why? What's in this for you, Minnesota? I'm confused. Uh, O'Reilly's up at the end of the year, and the cap hit stuff you don't care about. All I can tell you is this. Toronto's tired about getting punked around by you. The Toronto Maple Leafs are tired of the Bruins doing whatever they want. And not just that, but shaking their asses in your face all season long, which is what the Bruins have been doing to the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Tampa Bay Lightning, basically everyone. And the difference between the Maple Leafs and the Lightning is an obvious one. The Lightning is a team that's in the cup final, it seems like, almost every year, and they win a bunch of them, and they're just nasty. And they also cheat the salary cap, but that's neither here nor there. Um, The Maple Leafs, on the other hand, are a great regular season team that comes up short in the playoffs every single year since the beginning of time, uh, except for the years when they're not good in the regular season, but they always they always end up blowing it at the end no matter what. And they're tired of this. They're tired of this Bruins thing. They're tired of the Bruins uh, leading the way wire to wire all year long, and they're doing something about it. I'm not sure Ryan O'Reilly on his own is enough to slow down the Bruins train, though. Because, like I said, they got a they got some ground to make up here if they want to really contend for that uh, for that top spot. And even if it's not about that, even if it's about hey, you know what, we're going to see the Bruins maybe in the playoffs uh, at some point, and we want to have somebody on our team that we know has a history of going toe to toe with that team, and not just that team, but that top line and that guy. Because Bergeron, I mean, listen, he's not what he once was, but he's still a very productive player. And listen, I don't think Ryan O'Reilly even is what he once was either. But I do know how that went. (laughs) Like, I remember very clearly and very distinctly watching O'Reilly win those face-offs, watching him smother that line, watching him smother Berger. I mean, it was was a, a clinic, really, the way that he played them. And I know that there was a lot of liberties that were being taken. But again, it was the Stanley Cup finals, folks. I mean, that's what happens. You take liberties in the final. You want that cup, you know? Like, I, I get it. Um, that being said, your Bruins right now, Ryan O'Reilly or not, are going to be uh, tough to slow down. And that's due in large part to one man, and that one man is Don Sweeney. And I got to tell you, aside from Mitch Miller, and that was an awful thing and a really dumb thing, and he shouldn't have done it. Aside from that, he has been perfect. I mean, look at <laughs> results are with a scoreboard, right? I mean, like, what else do you need to see? Even the Pavel Zaka extension in season. 
Look at what Zach has done since then. Usually when you give a guy an extension like that who's been playing well but not, you know, out of his mind, it's, it's rare, I feel like, right after signing an extension that a guy goes on a heater like this. Usually it's the opposite, right? Like, usually it's the opposite. A guy gets paid and puts his feet up, puts his skates up, you know? Says, ah, I'm paid. I just got paid. I'll be, I'll be all right. I can take a, take a shift off here and there. Not Pavel Zaka. <laughs> Pavel Zaka is like his hair's on fire. And he's been so productive and just so good and really just emblematic, I think, of the, of the phenomenal job that Don Sweeney's doing. Really, that's, that's sort of, I look at his performance and I think, man, there was, they, you know what? The Bruins are so good, it gives me hope for the Red Sox. Isn't that weird? Hear me out, okay? Because I know they play different sports. But coming into this year, I had no expectations for the Bruins whatsoever. Coming into this year, I looked at the Bruins as an afterthought. I didn't think that they really had any chance to contend for the conference, the division. I just, I didn't, I didn't look at them that way. I looked at them as a team that came up short and maybe overachieved even a little bit last year and uh, was going to be coming into this season with no real big splashes aside from bringing back their old centerman. And I didn't really think much of it. I don't think a lot of people did. There wasn't a ton of hype coming into the year for the Bruins. Was it actively hostile like it's been with the Red Sox? No, okay? It's not been that. <laughs> but there wasn't a lot of buzz. Red Sox, not a lot of buzz either. But you know what? Look at the Look what they've done. Look at the way they've played. Look at what's come of this. I mean, a lot of people want to credit the coaching change, and I think maybe there's a little something to that there for sure. It's just way too many of these players, especially the veterans and young ones alike, all going on and on about the coaching change and how much better it is now and how much they love this guy and you know how much, uh, how much different it is and all that other stuff. By the way, Jake DeBrusque, who's back tonight, is probably the poster boy of that whole thing. And what a season he's had since uh, before he got hurt. You know, I mean, he was great, too. But that's sort of where we are. <laughs> they got. They also have a lot coming up here. They got a West Coast road trip coming up next week. And then from, I want to say, the first or maybe the second week in March. Let me look this up for sure. Yeah, the second week. Basically the entire month of March. Aside from one week, three weeks of March. They have 15 games in 25 nights. From March 9th to April 2nd, they have 15 games in 25 nights. I've really enjoyed this Bruins season so far. How can you not? But now, now we're going to see if these old guys can keep skating. All right? Now we're going to see if these old guys can keep that stick on the ice. Because we've seen this before. We've seen these Bruins, not these Bruins, but we've seen the Bruins have great regular seasons and then run out of gas at the end. And you know what usually accompanies that? A big stretch like this, a month like this where they got a ton of games and uh, not that many nights to play them. Like, that's, that's not uncommon. That's not something that, you know, even if you go back a couple of years with the Bruins and think about those type of months and those type of sort of weird bubbles in the schedule where you look at it and it's like, man, that's a lot of games coming up. Man, they're playing a lot. Wow, it's a few back-to-backs there. Wow, tough schedule. And this is things we were saying five years ago, okay? <laughs> like, now, now I sort of look at it and think, all right, is this going to be the year? Is this going to be the year where things are different? I'd like to think so. I think Montgomery's done a good job managing everybody. But people are still playing a lot. And this is a big stretch coming up right now. Um, We'll see what happens. I think we're going to learn a lot about this team in the month of March. Uh, We may learn everything we need to know, for better or for worse. We may learn that they're still a wagon and they can handle a a stretch like that with their veterans and, you know, young guys. Maybe they'll have some call. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. But it's a big stretch, and they have a little bit of space. 
They have a little bit of room. There's distance right now. They don't. They can't relax. They can't take their foot completely off the gas. But with a stretch like that coming up and a 13 point lead in the uh, in the division, you know you, you're flexible. You have some flexibility, and I think that's important for the Bruins because historically, they've run out of gas at the end of the year. So let's see. Let's see how they handle this. Let's see how Monty handles it. It's his first year. You know, you don't want to you don't want to take your foot off the gas in the first year. That's for sure. Not if you have a team that's you know headed for the Presidents Cup. Uh, that being said, there is one little thing that needs to be talked about. And maybe it's not so little. Talked about it a lot during the uh, during the week, and I think I heard Ken Laird say that it was cuckoo talk. Uh, but I'm talking about the goalie situation. He didn't say the goalie situation was cuckoo talk. I think he said trading Jeremy Swayman would be cuckoo talk, or just even suggesting that is cuckoo talk. To which I say, really? It's cuckoo talk? Like, these are two starting caliber goalies, right? We all agree with that, don't we? Historically, teams with two starting caliber goalies trade one of them. <laughs> like, that's, that's usually how that story ends. You don't just keep two starters on your team forever because, number one, it gets pricey, and number two... You're not playing them 41 and 41 like no one does that. Everyone has a lead goalie and a backup goalie. That's the way it always is. And if you have two who are starter worthy and you're not sure which one's which, you trade the lesser one and you get back something for it because you can't play the guy enough for him to maximize his value. Like that's that's basic hockey stuff. You know what I mean? Like I don't think that that's crazy at all. I don't think that's cuckoo. Talk. I don't think that's even really offensive to Jeremy Swayman. I love Jeremy. I don't think there's a bigger Jeremy Swayman fan in this city than me. I love Swayman. I thought he was awesome his rookie year, and I think he's been great this year. And since, I don't know, Christmas, he's been the best goalie in the league. Jeremy Swayman's awesome. I love Swayman. Linus Allmark, though, has been Vesna caliber this year. And that's the other thing is while Swayman's had this amazing stretch from uh, the last, I don't know, month and a half, two months, whatever it is, it's not like Allmark's fallen off. Allmark in that same stretch where, you know, Swayman's at like a goal a game or whatever it is. Uh, Allmark's at like 1-9. You know, you're still under two. That's still really good. That's still really good for that stretch. And it's a huge part of the reason why the Bruins are as good as they are. Now, I say all that to say this. I wouldn't trade Swayman either. And the only reason why I wouldn't is because I'm not sure that they have some glaring need that trading him would, would fix. And number two, I don't necessarily believe in Linus Allmark the way a lot of people do. And it's not to say I think he stinks or that this is all a mirage or that he's going to, you know, turn into a pumpkin tomorrow or anything like that, but he's played a ton this year. He's played a ton of minutes, started a ton of games. Because to start the year, Swayman couldn't play, remember? So you had Allmark out there every night. And I don't know that he's uh, capable of shouldering a load like that. And I think that's a fair thing to worry about. So that's why I wouldn't do it. Would you do it? Would you trade Jeremy Swayman? 617-779-7937. Is there another area of the team that you think needs the kind of help that you would get from trading a 24-year-old starting caliber goalie who is on right now the hottest stretch of his life, okay? Like, that's sort of what I'm thinking. Like, you trade Jeremy Swayman, you better get back a haul for him. You better get back a haul for Jeremy Swayman. You don't just trade him for parts. You don't trade him for, like, a nice depth piece or something. Like, no, 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 no. You're trading him for a blue-chip prospect. You're trading him for a maybe all-star caliber player. Like, that's that's the type of return I think someone like Jeremy Swayman would fetch. He's hot right now. The Bruins, all the Bruins goalies are hot right now. I don't know if you're trading Linus Allmark. Uh, it's hard to trade a guy who's on pace to win the Vesna, but... You know, if you were looking to move on from either one of them for whatever reason, if you think that there's a hole in the blue line or if you think they need more uh, help in their top six and you think that you could get that from uh, from Swayman, then why wouldn't you consider it? 
Why wouldn't you consider it? You can't play Swayman enough to maximize his value. That's sort of the point. Now, if you think that Linus Allmark may run out of gas, get hurt, may not be as good as he's looked, you know, the first two-thirds of the year, whatever. And there's a million reasons not to believe in Linus Allmark. This is the first time he's ever looked this good in his career. And he's played a while. I mean, he's, you know, he's 29 years old. He's been in the league six, seven years, whatever it is. Like, he's been around the block a little bit. And this is the best he's ever looked. Now, that's not super unusual for the Bruins either. Tim Thomas wasn't Martin Brodeur when he got here. You know, he wasn't Dominic Hasek. He was Tim Thomas, and then he turned into a legend. Uh, so things can change very quickly. I know that. Ask St. Louis and Bennington. I mean, listen, it's a lot of a lot of hot goalies in particular can uh, can ride that all the way to the bank. But that being said, as long as as long as Allmark keeps playing this much, I'm I'm happy to keep swimming around. Remember last year in the playoffs, they had the switch. Um, I think that that's uh, that's reasonable for this for this year. For this year, I'm not sure that you need to uh, you need to move on from Swain unless you get a deal you can't refuse. And if you get a great deal, someone comes out there offers you something that you just can't say no to, then you trade them. I don't I don't think that's kooky at all. But that's the only way I'd do it. I'd only do it if you get absolutely blown away. Because otherwise, I got my eye on Linus. He's been awesome this year. Of course he has. But I still got my eye on him there. Um, I also, we talked about this, has... Swayman played well enough to be the starter. Well, lately, he definitely has. Swayman lately has been playing well enough to be the starter on Team Canada, for God's sake. Like, he's been absolutely killing it. But is he ready to supplant Linus Allmark? Are you ready to switch him out and make him the starter and Allmark the backup? I don't know about that. I don't know that that's necessary. And I go back to my earlier point, which is that Allmark, over that same stretch, is putting up fantastic numbers of his own all of these are good problems to have by the way um you know like it's a it's a great problem to have that your two goalies are playing so well you're not sure what to do with them and you're not sure who's you know how to manage the minutes and i'll tell you what i don't know what's going on behind the scenes we've talked with uh razor braycroft a few times and sort of gotten his take on what it was like for him when he played, but I, I, behind the scenes, I have no idea. All I can tell you is what I see on, on TV, and what I see on TV is Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark looking like uh, those two guys from Scrubs. <laughs> like Inseparable best friends is what they look like to me. So I don't really think that this is weighing too heavily on either of them. You know, I, I think that it, Swayman appears anyway to just be kind of a happy-go-lucky guy, and Linus Allmark, I mean, listen, he's making $5 million, he's getting paid, and he's playing out of his, out of his gourd. And they both seem to be pretty supportive of each other. You know what I mean? Like I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a whole lot in the in the way of like a big rivalry budding between the two of them. And maybe that's happened with other uh, goalie pairs in the past. Maybe this is all a front. You know, maybe it's all bullcrap. It very well could be. But I'll tell you what it looks like from my untrained eye. It looks like two guys who are just having fun and winning games and enjoying the ride. And I'll tell you what. You know, that's the when you have a goalie controversy, and I use that term loosely because I'm not sure how much of a controversy it is right now. I think it's just a goalie luxury more than a controversy. But when you have something like that, the best possible outcome in terms of the disposition of the two goalies is that they don't know that they're in a controversy and they're just happy to play and they're happy for each other and they're hugging it out after every single win. Like, you know what I mean? Could it be if you're Jim Montgomery, could you ask for a better situation? I don't think you could. I think that's about as good as it could possibly be. Um, and, you know, goalies are a little touched in the head. In my experience with the hockey goalies, I can tell you every single one of them is a little bit insane. 
uh, you have to be to play that position. I don't think that I don't think there's any normal people who have ever played goalie at any level. I'm talking like squirts. I'm talking beer league. I'm talking AHL, QHL, Russian league, like whatever. If you're a goalie, you're a little bit touched. You know, you just you kind of have to be. But those two guys seem to be in the on the same page with each other. And I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a good spot to be in. It really is. And I credit that not just to them and those two guys and their personalities, but I credit that to the Bruins locker room. I think that Bruins locker room is a special locker room. I do. Um, there was a time, and it's over now, but there was a time in the Patriots locker room, I think, had a lot of those same qualities. Guys were very much, uh, you know, in, in tune with their – uh, with their public persona, they were in tune with you know their their teammates and veterans looked out for younger guys and all that stuff. And I think that was really a thing. It was called the Patriot Way, and I thought that was cheesy, but there was definitely like an ethos in the locker room with the Patriots for years and years and years. I think it's gone now, but it did used to exist for sure. I think that exists right now in the Bruins locker room. I do. And I think if they win the cup this year, you're going to hear a lot about it. But again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. We're going to take a quick break. We'll get to your Bruins phone calls. And then we got to talk about the Patriots raising ticket prices after that abomination of a season. Uh, we'll do all of that next. Covering Boston sports and beyond. We're back to Christian Arcand on WEEI. One forty-five here. It's Boston Sports Original WEEI. Christian Arkin here with you, taking you up until four o'clock. Nice to have you with us today. Phone number six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. And let's uh, get to your Bruins phone calls real quick before I start talking about these uh, Patriots ticket prices, which are going up, <laughs> going up. That lighthouse ain't gonna build itself, folks. Okay. You know we gotta we gotta find that money somewhere. No one's buying our jerseys anymore. We gotta find that money somewhere. We talked about that. I don't know if I talked about this with you or not, Stiz, but, like, I see Judon jerseys and Mac Jones jerseys. That's it. I don't see any that's other it. current yeah, no, players. That's it. Yeah. Like, who, you know, like, uh, Hunter Henry, maybe? I don't see any Hunter Henry jerseys. I don't see Aguilar. I don't see, you know, who I'd like to see more of is uh, uh, Marcus Jones. Marcus Jones, everybody should be buying Marcus Jones jerseys after watching him this year. And all the different type of ways he scored touchdowns and all the cool stuff he did. Marcus Jones. So there's three. All right, there's your three. Judon, Mac Jones, Marcus Jones. I mean, how many of those you really think they're selling? Judon, probably a lot. But the other two, like... Not enough to keep that lighthouse up. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's why they're raising prices here. I think they're not moving the same kind of merch that they were before. And I'll tell you what. I joked about this at the time, but around the holidays... uh. That was right around when the Patriots were basically getting dirt sort of poured on them. I know that they didn't get eliminated officially until the Bills game, but, like, you know, they kind of ruined everybody's Christmas. I don't know if maybe this was just me, but I don't know that there was a lot of Patriots merchandise moving around the holidays this year. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't know that that was, like, the same kind of gift that it's been in the past. Uh, And I say that just because for 20 years – Every kid in the world wanted Patriots stuff at Christmas because Tom Brady and the Patriots were about to win the conference and win the division, have a bye week, and go right to a division weekend. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that was every single year right around the holidays. <laughs> and so everyone was just Patriots crazy all the time. And you, every, under every single Christmas tree in the greater, in all of New England, Brady jerseys, Gronk jerseys, all the day, you know, new hats, new jackets, new whatever. The hoodies and all this stuff, and I just wonder, is that is that are they still moving that kind of merchandise right now? They can't be, right? That's a great question, actually. Like, I wonder what that number is. 
Got to be you low. I oh. think. I think it. I listen. They're raising prices after a bad year, and Kraft knows it's bad. He came out. He said, "I know we haven't won a playoff game in four years." He knows that. He knows that the product's not great on the field right now, and he still had to do it. I think the reason why is because partially because of that. Uh, and I'm I, listen. <laughs> it's way out of my tax bracket to even be talking about this, but you tell me. Is it all for the lighthouse? I don't. No one cares about the lighthouse. Not one Patriots fan actually cares about that lighthouse. Just for the record, and I know they're going to put like an observation deck up there now, and people can go up there and I don't know, look out at Robin Ford and the <laughs> the Red Wing Diner if they really want to <laughs> look out at Bass Pro Shop. Wow, honey, what a great view! <laughs> hey, look at that! <laughs> look at that, Ernie Bach. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> okay. That's cool, I guess. But, like, you know, I just sort of think that it's a, it's, it's a weird thing to be spending money on. You know, the team's kind of in disarray right now. And they're all there. Now we got to get that got to get that lighthouse up. Uh, 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Let's go to the phones and go up to the great state of Maine and talk to Rob, who has a thought on the Bruins and Jeremy Swayman. Go ahead, Rob. I think at this time you can't trade Swayman because they don't have a capable backup. Maybe during the offseason, but... You can't trade them now because they don't have a decent backup. And I think for the playoffs, I don't think they have to do anything major. They just get another de- a depth defense and a depth forward, someone that's physical. I think they'll be fine for the playoffs. Getting the brush back, we'll know more after the next couple of weeks with the brush back in the lineup. Yeah, and Rob, thanks for the call. And I sort of agree with you, too. You know, I mean, I talked about maximizing value. Some guys are, why do you care about maximizing value? What if someone gets hurt? What if someone doesn't get hurt? And you got this great asset sitting on the bench. And he can't play that much because, you know, you want your starter in there for the playoffs. And uh, you couldn't get anything for him because you didn't want to trade him. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I guess that's the other side of that coin. Now, to me, I don't think that there's a glaring weakness on this team. I don't think that there's any uh, thing that you look at and think, well, they just absolutely need another center. They need another left shot D or they need another whatever. I mean, there's been plenty of holes in this roster over the years, but right now I just I don't see one. I don't see one that trading Swayman. And listen, the caller also said you don't have a capable backup. That's sort of the point, isn't it? You need a capable backup. You don't need Dominic Hoshik to be your backup. You know, you don't you don't need this all time uh hot streak that he's on right now. You don't need that. You need Anton Hudobin or Chad Johnson or, you know, one of these other guys like and not no disrespect to those guys, but that's sort of what they were. You know, they were good backups. They're good quality backups. Jeremy Swayman's more than a good quality backup, is my point. And that's when you start thinking, okay, well, what should we do here? Because it's really not that uncommon, Bruins fans, hockey fans. You should know this. Just historically, when there's two very good goalies on a team, generally one of them gets traded. And that's not some hot take. I mean, that's just the way it's been. <laughs> Right, that's the way it's been for years and years and years. You move on, you know. You realize Tuka Rask is ready, and you move on from Tim Tommy. You do all sorts of things. There's a million examples of this, and that's from someone who doesn't want to trade Jeremy Swayman. I just don't like how people turn up their nose and act like it's some insane thing to talk about. It's not. It's definitely not. Uh, if you don't like the subject, then fine. Don't like the subject, but it's a relevant thing right now. The way these two guys are playing. Um, a competent backup, a reasonable backup. I don't know. I don't know what they have down in Providence. I don't know who their Providence goalies even are. I should I should know this, but I don't. Um, I haven't paid a ton of attention to the P Bruins this year, unfortunately. Um, I can tell you that. I can't tell you anything. What, what am I supposed to tell you about the P Bruins? 
Their goalies are Keith Kincaid, Brandon Bussey, and Kyle Kaiser. And I don't know anything about any of them. <laughs> I really don't. I don't know. You can tell me. I If the three of them walked in here right now and sat down and started hosting the show with me, I wouldn't know who was who. I'd say, oh, hey, Razor. Oh, hey, hey, Razor 2. Hey, Razor 3. I wouldn't know who you are. <laughs> but that's that's my ignorance. That has nothing to do with the quality of their play or anything else. I don't know which one of those guys are good. I know this Kincaid guy is kind of old um, compared to Bussy and Kaiser. But other than that, I don't know much. Um, so there you go. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. We'll do Bruins here. We can do Patriots here. Um, Celtics still on the table as well. When we come back, we'll talk a little Super Bowl as I think there's still uh, pieces to be picked up from that. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Mahomes versus Brady, Andy Reid, you know, potentially sneaking up on Bill Belichick. All of those are reasonable uh, topics, and we'll get to some of those as well. In the meantime, let's go to your phone, 617-779-7937. John is in Foxborough. Go ahead, John. Hey, how we doing? How we doing, John? Oh, good. You, you know, I'm not a sports radio guy. I don't kind of get into the whole soap opera. I know you guys do the whole how can we get callers? And I understand that, but I'm really, I've lived too long. When Bird left, mm-hmm. when Bird left Boston, so similar to Brady. I remember Xavier McDaniels came in and everyone's there like, he's going to be a savior. And we all knew he wasn't going to be Bird or anything like that. No, because it was Dino Raja. Dino Raja was the savior, John. Dino Raja. Of course. Great players Rick leave Fox. Town, like Brady. Yeah, Rick Fox. I mean, just, <laughs> We knew that we were in for, you know, it was 20 years before we found, you know, yeah. um, a guy that it's similar. You're talking about T-shirts. Yeah, they're not going to sell T-shirts. They're not going to – the Red Sox aren't, aren't going to be very popular because you know why? They don't have stars. San Diego Padres have all the stars. They're going to be – I'm going to watch them this year, it looks like. It's all about stars and getting good players. John, that sounds like a take that you just say to get people to call into your radio show. I'm going to watch the Padres this yeah. year. I'm not watching the Red Sox. You do. You, you become <laughs> no, what you I hate, totally John. <laughs> no, I totally understand. I, I sympathize with you. I, I sympathize with EEI and I sympathize with the other one. But it's like you don't know say, what? John, don't sympathize up. with us. We all like our jobs. You don't have to feel bad for us, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I know the run's over. You know, like the Red Sox, the the Patriots had a. I would say the Celtics and Bruins have been amazingly great this year. Like the Bruins only lost like six games. There's really nothing to complain there about. I agree Let's with just you. See what they do in the playoffs, John. I agree with you. I'm up against the break. I got to go, but thanks for calling in. Calling any time. It was a funny call. Um, the Celtics and the Bruins are the winner. Teams have been uh, carrying this thing for months now. Okay, I mean, listen, it's been it's been longer than that. But really, the winner teams, the winner teams are shouldering the whole thing right now. They're like Atlas holding up the whole Boston sports universe. You know, like they're they're doing it, and they're going to have to for I think probably a few years here. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three is the phone number. Why? Part of the reason for that? I don't know. Football season may not be as exciting coming up here, folks. It looks like the Kansas City Chiefs are here to stay. We'll get to all of that right after this. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? 
Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.